We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Yay! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Daily Fantasy Sports. You can use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit on DraftKings, and that'll get you a free contest entry today. Tuesday, October 20th, the year 2015. Nick Whalen here, joined in studio by DJ Trainer. DJ, we have a little bit of an odd show uh, for the listeners today. I think we're getting kind of bored of the monotony of, of the preseason and guys sitting, and you know, just we want the regular season to be here. We have exactly one week to wait, so not much longer. Um, but, you know, we've kind of been doing these grab bags of podcasts uh, leading up to the regular season. I think we, this might be the most grab bag of them all. Um, do you want to introduce what we're going to talk about here a little bit? This was technically your idea, and I like it a lot. Okay, yeah, we're, we may or may not revolutionize the way people talk about fantasy basketball. 
And if I may take it one step further, I think we're about to revolutionize the way that people talk about fantasy sports in general. People, the way that people talk. The, <laughs> yeah, the way that people have talked is going to change from this point on, Tuesday, October 20th, 2015. So our friends over at Hoops Hype came out with this really cool article, basically just giving picture detail to uh, the changes, the facial hair changes and the hairdo changes for each NBA player that, that did that over the offseason. So we're just going to break it down and go through each one, talk about their fantasy situation, maybe about, you know, Kendrick Perkins is first on deck here uh, with the old man facial hair is what I'm going to go ahead and call it. We'll go ahead and talk about the Pelicans front court, but maybe just a creative, innovative way to freshen things up here in this preseason because if you listen to podcasts like this one, you've probably listened to them all week long and it gets a little bit redundant here in the preseason, just trying to freshen it up. Right, absolutely, and, and that's about the best way we can put it, I think, right now. Um, so like DJ said, Hoopsite put basically out a, a photo gallery of all the players who have changed their look uh, significantly one way or the other. So we'll kind of use that as a baseline. You know, Obviously, we'll, we'll critique the look. Uh, as we're, we're, that's going to be a major part of this podcast, for right, sure. Clearly, we're in a position to be doing that. Um, and you know we'll use that kind of as a guideline just to go through and, and use that and see where it takes us. So like you, you mentioned Kendrick Perkins. He's the first guy on the list. We're not going to sit here and talk for 10 minutes about Kendrick Perkins' fantasy value. Maybe we'll talk about the Pelicans' front court. Maybe we'll talk about, you know, what Cleveland's uh, lacking with him gone. Uh, and maybe we won't really we talk, talk much about, about that. Maybe we won't. Maybe we won't talk about much Kendrick Perkins at all. This is going to be off the board. Um, you know, we'll see where it takes us. Before we do get into the list, just a reminder that the podcast is available on iTunes. It's available on Stitcher. All of our RotoWire podcasts are available on both of those platforms. You can also download or stream directly from the RotoWire website. Uh, that's just rotowire.com, excuse me, slash pod. So let's get into the list right away. You mentioned Kendrick Perkins. Uh, it looks here that he has added a pretty fluffy beard uh, to his look this year. Obviously, he's he's kind of been pretty standard with the goatee, a very thick goatee, a very Mike Woodson-like goatee over the past few years. But he's got a full beard now. I think he looks more intimidating than ever going into this season. Here's my issue with the beard, this beard. Whenever he starts to turn white, and maybe we've already got some paint on this beard to begin with. Maybe he's using uh, Just for Men All Black. Just for Men. Yep, Just for Men All Black, Keith Hernandez, Clyde Drexler. Um, you know, once that starts turning white, he's going to look like he's 60 years old real quick. He's going to jump 20 years in age immediately if you start to see some white sprinkled in there. Looking at this beard compared to the goatee that we've seen from Perkins for so many years, do you think he looks more intimidating, less intimidating, or the same amount of intimidating? Probably the same amount. I mean, his his face, you know, like nose and up is really where the intimidation comes from in Perkins. And I mean, really when he's putting his, literally putting his hands around your neck like he did uh, in that Pistons, or not the Pistons, but the Celtics series last year in the playoffs, I mean, he's intimidating by his actions. So uh, let's switch it over, talk about on the court. I don't really don't think he's going to do anything, if you haven't guessed, by starting it out. However, he might start out the season as a starter. Potentially you got... Alexis Sajinka with a right hamstring strain. You have Omar Ashik with a la- left calf strain. And, uh, I mean, he might see some minutes to start things out, but I, I wouldn't get tempted to take him because uh, it won't be a matter of time before those guys come back in and all will be right in the world. I think they're going to do everything they can to keep him off the floor. Like you said, there is a chance he might start because of those injuries. But Well, you just have Anthony Davis and Kendrick Perkins right. as your centers. In, well, in the, other option, the other option is to put Davis at center, and you can use Dante Cunningham or Ryan Anderson at power forward, and I think that's probably the route that they'll go uh, for the most part. But yeah, like you said, I don't think I don't think Kendrick Perkins has much fantasy value. How old do you think Kendrick Perkins is? Don't look it up. 
Well, he, he looks legitimately 50 years old there. If I had to guess, I'll say 32. He's 30 years old. Wow. 30 years old. Well, he came out of high school. He did. So he's got a lot of years. I've lot- always thought a guy like him coming out of high school, Al Jefferson is the same way. Another guy who came out of high school, like those aren't the type of guys that you typically see like back down, kind of slower, not as athletic post guys. Like you can't imagine them really, really dominating at the high school level to the point where you're like, yeah, these guys should jump to the NBA right now. So I mean, props to Kendrick Perkins for the, the amount that he, a guy with his skill set, must have had to dominate in high school to be selected in the first round uh, directly out of high school. It says quite a bit. So maybe he peaked at, at age 18. That's definitely possible. I, I, I'll never forget just the awesome, you know, Shaq and a fool that he, I mean, he's kind of the poster child. Him and JaVale McGee cannot wait for JaVale McGee to get back on the court so Shaq can make fun of him. Fingers crossed here in the Rotowire studios. But I love it when Perkins just, you know, he gets that twinkle in his eye and he's kind of at the top of the key and he has the ball. Remember when he waved off Kevin Durant and then ended up throwing it about four, four seeds deep in the stands? He thought he could run the offense. Anyways, not much fantasy value at all, but entertainment value. I mean, just incredible off amounts off the charts. And like you said, we might see a little bit of increased exposure to that entertainment value early in the season. All right, the next guy on the Hoops Hype list here and if you want to follow along uh, the, the article is called NBA players with new looks for the 2015-16 season shouldn't be too hard to find with a quick uh, google search there or our preferred uh, web search tool dogpile.com I'm not sure if you've ever used that one DJ but that, that's obviously the great yeah one. second grade when I was learning about the <laughs> internet I was all about dogpile shout out dogpile.com <laughs> um, so the next two guys on the list the Morris twins and the thing about these guys is they've always wanted to match their looks. They have identical tattoos. They've always looked basically exactly the same, and you know that comes with being an identical twin. But they don't vary it up much with the hairstyle or the beard style. But they both do have now full beards, a little bit thicker even than the than the beard we're talking about here with Kendrick Perkins. Do you like this look? Sure. I don't. I don't really care much. I think it looks fine. My beef here, and I want to be very very serious is who decides what they do because they have identical tattoos, they have the same. So is like is Marcus telling Markeith what to do? Like is Marcus running Markeith's life? Is I it the, the other way around? I just want to know who's in charge here. That's I'm, what needs that we need to know. I'm thinking Snapchat is probably a big factor in this relationship. Um you know maybe Markeith is, is gets up in the morning, Snapchat's like, "Hey, here's what I'm going with for today." And you know, Marcus Kind of follows through. Well, Maybe they, they live together. They used to live together, well, right? They don't, they don't anymore. They right. did. They did when they were with Phoenix, right? Um, yeah, I think it's maybe a situation where they divide up the days. You know, it's you know, Marcus gets to pick how they look. But and tattoos. What they wear on Mondays. The tattoo thing. Are you? I wouldn't say freaked out is the right word, but it, it, is it is it a little weird that when twins kind of get this in sync? Yes, that, that's what I'm getting at here. I just I would love to see another pair of twins that have just tried to mold similar lifestyles out of you know out of out of two different people. I I, I just I just I, whatever I I can't get over it. You know my feelings about it. I can't even uh, put together any words to talk about right. it. Well, let's talk about both these guys' fantasy values. We'll start with Marcus Morris. Obviously, he comes over from Phoenix in in what was a highly publicized trade, mostly because of his brother's reaction to the trade. But you look at the front court that he joins now, Ersan Ilyasova's there. He's another new addition. Anthony Tolliver's there. Stanley Johnson, who's looked great in the preseason, is there. Uh, and even Contavious Coldwell-Pope, who can slide up and play small forward a little bit, is also there. I see his main competition for minutes here as Ersan Ilyasova, right? I think those two guys are, you know, the de facto Richard Lewis's to Stan Van Gundy's, you know, 9 10 
um, Orlando Magic team. I think I think those are these are going to be his stretch four type of guys. I think they both fit that bill very well. Do you see one or the other kind of emerging throughout the season, or do you think it'd be more of a timeshare between Ilyasova and Morris? Yeah, I think it's completely in flux. So you look at Andre Drummond at the center position; he's a lock. Reggie Jackson, you have to think as a point uh, as a point guard is going to be a lock. In terms of shooting guard, small forward, power forward, I mean, you can just jumble all those guys up. Obviously, uh, you'd think that Morris would be more so, like you said, Nick, uh, going up against Ilya Sova. I don't really see anything staying the same throughout the whole season long, right? So I think it's going to change continually. It's going to be a very frustrating scenario for all fantasy owners out there as we see just a jumbo, uh, just an over-churning of all these guys getting minutes at different points in the season. Right. I feel like it's going to be the same way. I don't think that one or the other is a drastically better option. Um, I think the upside on Morris is maybe a little bit higher. I think Ilyasova, we've seen him go in and out so many times. He's such a streaky shooter. He's a guy that has played very, very well at times, uh, but a guy that has a tendency to disappear other times. Marcus Morris shot 36% from three last season, just about four attempts per game. I think he sits right in that range again. Do you think he gets to four attempts or do you think it goes higher or lower? Um, I mean, Stanley Johnson is a guy that also shoots a three, right? Does Anthony Tolliver do it too much? I don't know offhand. I got to take a look here because um, I'm just, yeah, so 1.4. He definitely does. So you've got three different guys that can shoot the three. I Obviously, it's nice to have a stretch four, right, with Drummond. And so if they need Mar- if they need Morris in that role, that's something that Ilya Silva does too. Um, so it looks like all the guys on the roster can take out and jump and take the take the three so I think that I would go over on whatever we have projected for threes right now for Marcus so right now as as a collective here at Rotowire we have him projected for 1.33s and I think that's I think that's pretty solid I I, I think especially with the timeshare that right. we have coming up 1.3 is is nothing you know if he starts seeing 30 minutes a game 32 minutes a game and he really separates himself jump that number up right and it's so hard to predict injuries and things like that but you know if Marcus Morris if there's a situation where really Silva's not playing if Anthony Tolliver gets hurt um, or even a guy like Stanley Johnson I think his value really can skyrocket there because he can play both forward spots and I think that's very valuable uh, as far as keeping him on the court Markeith Morris maybe the most bizarre situation in in you know, in the NBA, there are there are always bizarre situations, especially in the offseason. Uh, but this one takes the cake, I think. So they trade Marcus Morris to Detroit. Markeith Morris is not happy. He's very public about his displeasure with the steal. They didn't consult him. They do everything together, blah, blah, blah. They have this joint contract. And, you know, it sounds like for a month or two, he, was, he always said he was going to report to camp, I believe. But he was very open that he didn't want to be there. He was going to be traded. He said, I'm not going to play here once the season opens. And all of a sudden, camp starts, and he completely pulls a 180 on his tune, and now he's happy where he is, and Phoenix is great. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, that happens a lot for athletes, right? Once we start getting closer to the season, they're just ready to play. They've had a long off season; They just want to get out there. Apparently, that's the same case here for Markeith. Slotted to be the starting power forward alongside, you would think, Tyson Chandler with P.J. Tucker starting at small forward. One of the only guys I think that will compete with Morris for, for minutes there at power forward would be Mirza Toledovic. Obviously, you have P.J. Tucker and T.J. Warren can slide down to that power forward slot, but those three guys I just mentioned, including Toledovic, are all going to be at the small forward slot too. So the the gateway is open for Markeith to, to see as many minutes as, as possible because last year he was really good. He was very uh, underrated player last year on, on the whole. Last year, 15.3 points over six rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.2 steals, half a block, 
0.73s per game. That's really good fantasy numbers across all competitions. And that was in 31.5 minutes per game last year. We have him projected for something similar. And maybe the best thing that he has going for him, he's played 82, 81, 82 games the last three seasons. For Roto Leagues, that's obviously ideal. Right, and he started all 82 games last season. That's, that's a big thing as well. Didn't really see his efficiency go down despite attempting three more shots per game. Um, you know, he's shooting right around 49% two seasons ago, which was probably a little bit unsustainable considering uh, the degree of difficulty on a lot of his looks. I think he expands his range a little bit. Uh, this season, you know, attempted 1.3 three-pointers per game two seasons ago, got that number up to 2.2 last season. I think that could climb a little bit higher in the twos, maybe into the low threes. Um, I mean, are you worried about the situation kind of blowing up at any point? The good thing, I guess, is that Markeith Morris doesn't seem to be at odds with Jeff Hornacek, and he doesn't seem to be at odds with his teammates. But that front office, uh, I don't know if they're necessarily back in good graces yet, as that situation seems to somewhat be up in the air. It's just, it's just a little suspicious to me, like, how quickly and how drastically he changed his tune. Um, I mean, if this team starts out slowly, if he's not getting the touches he wants right away, you know, with the backcourt of Knight and Bledsoe, which figured to see quite a bit of usage, you know, could there be a situation where this kind of ends up re-blowing up for the Phoenix Suns at some point this season? I, I'm going to go ahead and say no and, and say a firm no, right? So we've, so we've all gone away to college, and over time we just get used to our new situation. Markeith and Marcus played at Kansas together, so you literally have a situation where Markeith and Marcus are separated for the very first time. Uh, time will take care of that, right? And so everything's going to work out for Markeith. I don't see him blowing up. I don't think he's going to rehash this beef. If he really was concerned about it, we, you know, he wouldn't have gone to camp. So I, I think as fantasy potential fantasy owners, you can just put this situation behind you and, and feel confident that nothing really is going gonna, is gonna to come out during the regular season. Do yeah. you feel that way too? I don't know. I don't know if I – So you I think there's still something them. lingering there? Yeah, I think there has to be, right? I I don't think so. I I think this is a this is, it's a new life situation for Markeith. Over time, he's going to grow into it. Everything's going to be fine. Obviously, you know he can throw this back in my face four months down the road if something comes up. But I I would have no problems drafting Markeith at all. No, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It definitely wouldn't keep me from drafting him by any means. I don't. I don't think you. It's not that much of a volatility, especially right now. Um, I, I just, it's a little suspicious to me. That's all. And, and like you said, I don't think, I don't think it's like a do not draft thing because, you know, basketball probably is going to come first in this situation and, and, you know, the paychecks aren't going to be coming in if he's not playing. So that's really not the biggest worry for me. I, I guess I just, I just think at some point they're going to have to revisit this. It was too much of a, of a reaction and too big of a deal to Marquise Morris over the summer for it to just blow over like that. So maybe I don't know all the details of the situation. Maybe something went on. Maybe they hashed it out. Things are going to be great. Hopefully that's the case, you know, from a fantasy perspective and from the perspective of the Suns. Uh, But we'll have to wait and see on that. The next guy on the list, Andrew Wiggins. Still not much facial hair. Got a little bit of a shadow of a mustache. Like that a lot. Uh, Got a little goatee going. But the big story here, uh, and one of the biggest stories of the offseason, is Wiggins' hair. And it started to go out last season. You know, at Kansas, we kept it pretty nice nice and tight, but it's approaching the Justice Winslow territory at this point. So there's a common theme between most of the players we're going to talk about. And guys just don't go to their barbers anymore. That, that, that hair is growing out. Barbers are out. Barbers are out, people. Vests are in. Barbers are out. So uh, question I have here, like his hair is, you know, it's going to propel his fantasy game. He's moving into an influential second year in the league. 
where there's certainly room for improvement. And last year he did really well. I mean, he averaged 16.9 points per game. We talked about, I think, Nick, in our very first podcast that he was the leading rookie scorer last year. He was the only one that I personally would have drafted. Hindsight's always 20-20. So, I mean, there's room for improvement. Do you think that he could average up to 20 points per game on this team? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's very much of a uh, very much attainable goal. Um, you know, the GM survey just came out, the annual survey of all the GMs. Yeah, they asked him a bunch of questions. I don't know if you had a chance to read that quite yet, but um, I was yeah. too busy looking at this hoops article and really dissecting everything <laughs> about it. So I'll get around to it maybe next week. Right. Yeah, and plenty of time for that. Um, but NBA GMs voted Andrew Wiggins as the player most likely to have a breakout season, and you know. The definition of a breakout season varies. I guess Giannis was on the list. Jabari Parker was on the list. Anthony Davis was on the list, which it's kind of scary to think that he could have a breakout season. I don't know how much how much higher his ceiling can get at this point. I mean, I guess it's somewhat unlimited. Um, but yeah, I think the feeling is that Wiggins can be even better than he was last season as a rookie. As scoring, a 19-year-old rookie. As a 19-year-old rookie, right, exactly. And he, he doesn't turn 21 uh, until just after the All-Star break, February 23rd. Coming off a season in which he averaged 17 points, two assists, four and a half rebounds, shot 44% from the field, 31% from three. Those categories are, excuse me, those numbers for a rookie are outstanding. But you look at a couple categories, and I think there's plenty of room for improvement. One, assists, you know, 2.1 per game is probably a little bit low. Uh, The only question I have there is he was without Ricky Rubio for more than half the season last year. Obviously, Rubio controls the ball quite a bit. He's a guy who dishes out a lot of assists himself. Um, so, you know, if he, if he is playing a little bit more with Rubio, maybe those assist chances diminish a bit more. The rebound category, I think for a guy as athletic as he is, a guy who's bulked up a little bit this summer, I think he could get uh, closer to five, five and a half rebounds per game. And then, like you said, scoring. I think I, I would almost... I would be very, very comfortable taking the over on 20 points per game this year for Wiggins. Taking the over on 20, considering average 17 last year. I'm fine with that, too. We have him at 19.5 here as a whole, Rotowire. One thing about those assists, Nick, is even if Rubio comes in and plays more games than he did last year, I think that Wiggins' assists of 2.1 maybe will stay the same. So maybe he'll become a better passer and you know he'll be able to see the passing lanes more clearly. But if Rubio's in there, maybe he just stays right at that 2.1 under under the scenario that you presented there. Right, that's fair. And you know, it's just so hard to predict with this team. You know, there we, we were just looking at the ESPN the magazine preview in the office last night, and you know the Wolves are predicted to finish last in the West, and it's like, yeah, it's hard to argue against that because a the, the West is extremely strong, it's extremely deep. B they're coming off a season in which they're the worst team in the league. Um, but then you look and it's, you know, Ricky Rubio missed a ton of games. Pekovic missed a ton of games. Wiggins is going to get better. Kevin Martin missed a ton of games. Levine's going to get better. There's, there's so much to like with this team. You add Carl Towns, uh, Kevin Garnett's going to be healthy. And, you know, you start to think maybe this team could end up being a little bit better. And, and I think if the team starts playing better as a whole, Wiggins' numbers will kind of follow. So maybe this team follows in the same footsteps as the Utah Jazz last year where they struggle, maybe they play under 500 ball for the first half. Second half of the season, they really start clicking. A bunch of these guys who have never played with each other now have half a season together as starters. Uh, Rubio, Levine, Wiggins, uh, maybe throw Gorgie Dang in there, not so much Kevin Garnett, Carl Anthony Towns, right? And so the second half of the season, maybe they put together one of the more impressive second halves, just like the Jazz, where they're still not going to make the playoffs, but they really made a good push. And, of course, now we're talking about the Utah Jazz as legitimately contending for that A seed. And so I feel comfortable with putting on with putting the Timberwolves on that exact on that exact same track, where not this year, but maybe the second half is good. Next year they could contend for maybe an eight or even a seven seed. Right, and 
the thing about the Western Conference right now is you almost have to wait it out for a couple teams. You know, I mean, the way the Spurs are constructed, their window is going to close fairly soon. Obviously, how long? How many times have we said that over the last five years? But you're right. I mean, I, mean, I know at what you're some saying. point it actually has to. Yeah, right? like, you have to keep saying it every single year. Right, and we've been, you know, everyone's been saying this since 2008, it seems like. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they just keep being the Spurs, and I think that's going to continue this season and probably in the next season as well. But at some point, Tim Duncan's going to retire, as is Ginobili, uh, as is Tony Parker. But then they're still going to be left with LaMarcus Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard, which isn't the worst core of all. And Tony Parker would likely still be around at that point as well. But, you know, once the Spurs inevitably somewhat fall off at some point, um, you know, I think... Th- but basically what I'm trying to say is there's just not that mo- that much room to move up. You know, What team in the West do you see you know, getting significantly worse over the next couple of years, barring uh, you know some sort of injury? Or... The Thunder, unfortunately. The they Thunder. could lose to Durant. They could lose Westbrook within the next couple don't. of years. If they don't, then you're right. Then then that totally holds true. And um, you know, The Rockets, I think, are built fairly long-term. The Clippers, as of right now, look very Grizzlies, good long-term. Grizzlies, who knows, Zach Randolph. Marcus Gasol is still really, really good. I think Randolph could taper off, but that doesn't mean that the Grizzlies would falter at all. I think Randolph does taper off, but I also think the way that he plays – uh, I think his game will age pretty well. That's a really good point, Nick. I never thought about that. Yeah, the Timberwolves in three years, they could be a really good team, but that might not mean anything because you're going to have a good solid core of Western teams that have been there in the past and can continue being there. And maybe that's a situation like we've said for the last, what, the last seven years for the Spurs where the Rockets, Grizzlies, uh, Thunder, and you know, throw in the rest of the teams. Clippers all fit into that scenario where it's, they're just perennially playoff teams, and you just have a couple teams at the bottom cycling in and out. Right, and we, we know there's going to be unforeseen things happening. Trades, injuries, you know, anything can happen, and there's, there's, you know, that's how it works in the NBA and that's how it works in any sport. But, yeah, like I said, it's just hard to, it's hard to pinpoint a couple teams and think, yeah, these teams are going to be bad in a couple of years. It, it, that doesn't really happen quite so much in the NBA with the amount of player movement. Um, so it, it, it's just kind of you, you're going to get better. Every other team is going to get better. You just have to get, uh, I don't know what, more better? <laughs> I think that's a slogan for a restaurant, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Popeyes, maybe? We're just dropping corporate references we today. Are. I think I'm trying to, trying to get some sponsorship here. Um, two more Timberwolves come up next on our list. Ricky Rubio and Adrian Payne. We'll kind of group them together as we finish out our T-Wolves talk. I'm not sure how I feel about this new Rubio look. He's going very short on the sides, uh, you know, close to shaved on the sides, kind of fades up, and then we got some gel in there, flicking it to the side a little bit. Yeah, Ricky Rubio discovered hair gel. Ricky Rubio did discover hair gel. We're talking about a guy who had a legitimate mullet when he first came into the league. (laughs) Uh, So I think this is an improvement, you know, from uh, going to the clubs in downtown Minneapolis perspective. I worry about the hair gel on the court. You know, is is it going to sweat into his eyes? Is it going to kind of crystallize and leave a little bit bit of residue? I'm not a big hair gel user myself, are you? Yeah, I do. I actually use it every day. Just a little oh, bit really? in the front. Okay. Thanks for noticing, Nick. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, that is no. You kind of joke about it, but that's a legitimate concern because I've had that in the past. We've both played sports. Got hair gel on there, and it once you start to sweat, it comes down into your eyes. He'll get that squared away. He's a million. He's a millionaire. He's gonna figure out some good hair gel that won't do that. Yeah. Maybe he throws a headband on. I mean, maybe that's what we're coming to. Is where Ricky Rubio is wearing hair gel and a headband right. at the and same time. And this is one of my biggest concerns. You know, going into right. the fantasy right. season is when you're evaluating a player before your draft mm-hmm. and during your draft, you got to yep. think. You know, like hair gel is this yes. going to be? Is this going to increase his value? Is it going to hurt his value? Right on point. We've seen it for a guy like Chris Anderson. I think it's really increased his value. Yeah, um, he's done guy, well. He has, and but you know, a guy like Rubio is. He's already been injured. This could be you know, adding an eye injury to his long list of other ailments. Um, it just seems a little bit risky for me. 
how much do you like Rubio as a player, hair, hair gel aside, uh, coming into this season? Like we said, a guy who's been banged up throughout his career, uh, especially last season, played in just 22 games, uh, played in 41 games as a rookie, 57 in his second year, all 82, started all 82 games in 2013-14, kind of seemed to have turned the corner on those injuries, but then last season kind of came right back to where he was playing in about a quarter of the games. How much does his durability concern you? Is that the number one concern? It's incredibly concerning. And if you listen to my podcast with uh, Josh Hayes last week or really any other time I've publicly talked about Ricky Rubio, I don't draft him at all. I just don't draft him. There's just no reason to for me personally because not only is he a major injury scare for the reasons, Nick, that you just listed – but he's a terrible shooter. People, I mean, people don't bring this up enough. Last year he was thir- uh, almost uh, 36% from the field, which is incredibly bad. He's only shooting 80% from free throw last year, which for a point guard, you really need that to be higher to bring up the rest of your players, right? If you've got a center like Andre Drummond, uh, any guys like that, you really need your point guard to boost that. And so obviously, Nick, you said he played 22 games last year, so you're saying that's not a good sample size. The year before when he played 82, it was 36% again and then just over 80% again. So that's where you're looking at for Ricky Rubio. For Roto categories, it's really going to burn you if your point guard is is not helping you out in those those two areas. And he's not just a bad shooter. I mean, he's... What Andre Drummond is to free throw shooting, like Ricky Rubio is, is to def- shooting percent. I mean, right. career low, 35.6% shooting last season, like you said. 80% from the line gets the job done, but like you also said, it doesn't compensate necessarily for other poor free throw shooters on your team. You want, ideally, you know, up into the 90% from your point guard. Right, so what does Rubio do well? Why is, why is, there, such a, why is there so much fanfare? It's because steals and assists, and assists in particular. If you look beyond that, it's really just average numbers. He's, he's never averaged more than 10.7 points per year. Rebounds last year in those 22 games, he had 5.7, which is, which is really good. But if you look in previous years, he was hovering right around four. Those are average point guard numbers for NBA players that are playing at least 30 minutes a game. So to me, Rubio is a specialist that should be taken way later in rounds if you need assists and steals. I know one thing, the reason why he gets drafted so high every year um, is because you can't pick up assists on the waiver wire. That's the big issue here. And so I understand that perspective, but overall there's too much hype around Rubio, and, we, and, that, and that's totally excluding his injury scare. Right, and like you mentioned, the steals are nice. Uh, that, that's a huge compliment, and he rebounds well, almost six a game last season for a point guard. That's, that's excellent. But like you said, I mean, he's not a great shooter. He's not a great scorer. Uh, the upside is relatively low in both of those categories. I mean, it's very hard to see con- considering his track record. I mean, he really hasn't gotten close to even shooting 40%. And that's the big knock on him for me. Gerald Green will move away from the Timberwolves. Don't really need to talk about Adrian Payne. Uh, do not draft him. His new look is basically bald with a shaggy <laughs> beard. Not a, not a good look. A little bit uh, a little bit homeless looking, but that's his choice. Gerald Green, he's going a kind of a mix of Alfred Payton, uh, Jimmy Butler. Well, who really reminds me of is Quinn Cook. He's a rookie. I think he's currently on the roster. Uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Quinn Cook out of Duke. This is a very Quinn Cook-like uh, look that he's going with. Kind of got the uh, the mini dreadlocks, but they're spiked directly up uh, to, to kind of so increase his height. It's got get... the form of a flat top, but it's definitely not flat on top. Right, it has the form of a flat top, but it's it's dreadlocks. So you know you don't get that nice clean those nice clean lines, those symmetrical lines that you do on a normal flat top. So. We've talked about green in the past, not only on this podcast, but with Josh. So I won't talk about it too much. Um, 
one thing I like about Green is that you have he's playing behind Dwayne Wade and probably Justice Winslow. If Justice Winslow is not ready for a full complement of minutes on a Heat team that's going to be pretty good this year, then you'll see Gerald Green step into that backup role behind Wade for significant minutes. And then throw on top that Wade is always um, a risk just to be out for five games at a time. And so maybe Gerald Green is seeing 30 minutes a game um, for random 10-game 10, 10 spurts throughout the season. And he's shown in the past he can jack up a lot of threes and give you a lot of a lot of three-point action there for Roto Leagues. Field goal percentage, uh, I'll take a quick look at it. I don't have it offhand. Maybe you do, Nick. Um, I do, actually. Uh, well, last season, he did shoot 42% uh, cumulative, 35% from three. He's kind of been all over the board throughout his career. I mean, a guy that has vacillated like 10 percentage points uh, some years so very hard to predict I think he ends up sitting probably in the 42 43 percent range that's right around his career which average. isn't terrible no not at all especially for a guy who chucks as much as he does he's attempting uh, like 0.6 shots per minute so far in the preseason which is a ton it doesn't sound like that many but it is a lot he scored in double figures in every game hasn't played more than 24 minutes but he's attempted at least 11 shots in five of the six uh, preseason games in which he's played so a guy who's definitely not going to be afraid to gun it off the bench by any means um the question is just how many minutes he's going to get and he joined he goes from phoenix a team that played at a uh, you know a high pace a team that didn't have quite the depth that miami does and this Miami team is probably the deepest in the East. Um, you know, some, a team like Boston, you can maybe argue, but I think Miami has better top-end talent, certainly. Um, but now he joins he joins a, a wing rotation that has Dwayne Wade, that has Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson even, and probably a guy who's not going to see a ton of time, but he's played well in the preseason, Luol Deng, uh, and, and even Chris Bosh, you know, at Power Forward, if you want to play Gerald Green as a, as a stretch four in certain situations, I don't think they'll do that a ton, uh, given the bodies that they have at Power Forward. But he doesn't have a necessarily clear, clear path to minutes. My question is, when it comes down to it, um, you know, second quarter of a game, who are they going to turn to first? Is it going to be Justice Winslow or is it going to be Gerald Green at small forward if Luol Dang is out of the game? Right, and that's something that could change later on in the season. It's a waiting game. So Gerald Green's value is completely contingent on Justice Winslow. So there is, there's a real scenario that it, at some point in this season when, when Winslow is, is ready to go, where Green may not even get off the bench for maybe more than 10 minutes. But, I mean, you can just flip that and, and say if, if Wade's hurt and Winslow is just not the player we thought he was going to be, that Gerald Green is going to be thrusted into a scenario where he's playing at least 28 minutes a game. And so, he, you know, he's a, Raider list, or he's, a, he's a later risk flyer for me in a lot of leagues. I will be targeting him, but that comes with the, the respect and, and the knowing that he might be stuck on the bench at the end of the season for sure. Right, and I think initially it, I thought Winslow was one of, one of the more NBA-ready guys coming out of Duke, even after just one year. I mean, he's a big body. He's already you know, in NBA shape uh, as far as weight and height. But it sounds we, like we he, ate breakfast with him, with right, him in I Las Vegas, him. with his family. Like we he's saw a dear, him. dear friend. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think once he got to heat camp, there started to be reports that you know, maybe he's not quite as ready as people thought and – you know, I thought I initially thought maybe he could unseat Luol Deng as that starting small forward. It sounds like you know he's maybe more of a rookie than than I anticipated, and maybe some other people anticipated. So I think depending on where this team is, I think this is a team that thinks they can compete for a title. Right. And, and in the Eastern Conference, they probably can. All it takes is one injury to Cleveland, and all of a sudden Miami's probably the favorite. Sure. Uh, you know, depending on what what that injury would be, of course. But 
I think if they're in a position where they you know they can get a one or a two seed and they look like a legitimate uh, team that can make it out of the East, they're going to be a little bit more uh, prone to playing Gerald Green, a guy who's a veteran, a guy who's a little bit more proven. They might not trust Justice Winslow quite as much. So I think if this team comes out of the gate strong and looks like one of the better teams in the East, they're going to lean a little bit more veteran heavy throughout the year. Yep, and that's exactly my point here with Gerald Green. I will be targeting him as much as possible, and we'll see what happens. Absolutely. All right, next on the list, another guy who will definitely see what happens with <laughs> Isaiah Cannon, uh, one of my favorite college players uh, of all time. I assume one of yours as well. I'm a big fan of the Chuckers at the college level, and he did just that big-time scorer. Um, this is a guy who's now sporting a little bit of a high-top fade mixed with maybe some pre-dreadlocks. I don't know what the right term is for that. Um, right, so he played at Murray State, by the way, in he case did. you're wondering. Uh, Chucker. Oh, did you say racers? You did say racers. Isn't yeah. that the Murray State racers? Yeah. Oh, kudos to you. I didn't even catch that. Um, so... So if I'm going to break down his hairstyle, last year he was really, you know, really short hair. Now I think he's just kind of wannabe of of the guys we've already looked at, right? So he doesn't quite uh, have as as the the length or the height that Jared Green does. Um, Wiggins not quite there yet. So we'll see where it comes halfway through the season, maybe three quarters of the way through the season. He'll be where we need to be or he'll be where we need him to be um, in terms of his hair game. But he might be doing that on the bench by the end of the season. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you. Philadelphia is, you kind of have to evaluate the 76ers players, I think, differently. They're almost a, a whole different entity as far as uh, fantasy value just because of how this team is built and how the minutes have, have shaken out over the last few years of the Sam Hinkie plan. I like Nerlens Noel. I like Jaleel Okafor to see a ton of minutes in that front court. I think Robert Covington is really their only big-time asset on the wing, and I use that term very, very lightly because – uh, that's, that's more of a relative to who else is, is in that small forward and shooting guard rotation, depending on how much you like Nick Stauskas. I don't like him a ton. But you look at the point guards, this is like a who's who of like former college standouts. Yes. Kendall Marshall, Tony Roten, TJ McConnell, Pierre Jackson, Scotty Wilbekin from Florida, and then, of course, Isaiah Cannon. And I like all these guys. Yeah, I liked, These are all guys, like I said, you loved watching at the college level, but there's only going to be room for one or two to see enough minutes to be fantasy relevant this season. I know at Rotowire we have Isaiah Cannon currently listed as the top guy on our depth chart. He played, you know, he has a little bit more experience than these other guys being on the team last season. Kendall Marshall coming off of an injury. Tony Roden also coming off of an injury. Pierre Jackson also coming off of an injury himself. Right. So they're kind of buying low, I guess, on some of these guys. Pierre Jackson, I, if I had to choose a guy that I want to see play 35 minutes a game on this team, it's got to be Pierre Jackson. Like Insane athlete for his size. The guy's 5'10" one of the highest verticals in the league. He is coming off that torn Achilles, so we'll see how that affects him from an athleticism standpoint. He's lit the D-League on fire last season, uh, or two seasons ago, I'm sorry. He missed most of last season after tearing his, his Achilles in Summer League. Two seasons ago, he was setting scoring records in the D-League. Uh, so the ceiling is certainly there. I think everybody kind of questioned, you know, yeah, he's doing this in the D-League. He's a small guy. There's no way it'll translate to the NBA. I want to see him get a chance because what do the 76ers have to lose at this point? Right, and so there's lots of scenarios or lots of cases where you can say guys are really doing it in the D-League and they come to the NBA. It doesn't really matter. Jack Cooley, I think, sent the re single-game uh, rebound record 
comes to the Jazz, and he's been waived already. He didn't even make it uh, to the regular season roster, obviously comparing a center versus a point guard, but the same type of situation. Nick, would you be surprised if we see most of these guys who are listed for Philadelphia just gone by the end of the year, and then we have a new, whole new crop of 10-day contract deals that, that prove themselves, and we just, we just see what we have in, in the next round of, of maybe players or players that are coming off significant injury? And I just wouldn't be surprised if we just completely overhauled this point guard depth chart at the end of the year yeah that's kind of been the 76ers mo is you yes. know one guy in one guy out just kind of trying things out seeing who they have and, and that's kind of what they did with robert covington and it ended up working out so i think that's kind of well they're still in flux here and while they know they're not going to contend they really don't have a reason not to do that uh, obviously it hurts them from a continuity standpoint but i, I don't think they're going to get rid of all of these guys i think they're going to end up starting the season with probably three or four on the roster how many of those guys are in the rotation we'll see uh, but, but what I like is they're all such different players. You know, I think Scotty Wilbekin's a pretty well-rounded player, a guy who played very well uh, for, for a couple seasons at Florida, a guy who can score, a guy who can defend. T.J. McConnell really doesn't bring anything to the table offensively. He's a good passer, a good game manager, kind of the Alex Smith of basketball in a lot of ways. Great defender. Uh, <laughs> Kendall Marshall, terrible defender, extremely good passer. So you know, I, I kind of like that these, these guys all bring different skills to the table. Pierre Jackson, great scorer, doesn't really do much else. Isaiah Cannon great shooter doesn't really do much else so they all have different skill sets and you know if they could just blend them together into into one player they'd be they'd make for a pretty damn good point guard um but right now uh you know it's it's really anybody's guess who's going to end up staying on this roster and and if they do make the roster how long are they even going to be there and in terms of fantasy importance you wonder what that means for guys who are going to get drafted um you know, around different types of leagues. So guys like Robert Covington, Nerlens Noel, Jalil Okafor. And so it doesn't really concern me for Okafor. It doesn't take a dummy to get Okafor the ball down in the block. It's something I've already said. Noel's, um, you know, he's going to get his value from rebounds and blocks, you'd think. Now, here's where this point guard situation kind of scares me away from Robert Covington a little bit because um, he's more of a spot-up three-point shooter, right? And so you're wondering if you, if you don't have a point guard that can get him the ball, maybe his three-point numbers go down, and he did a really good job at that last year, and that was a lo- big part of his value. Stauskas, I don't really like to begin with, but obviously it would be nice if he had a veteran point guard playing alongside of him um, in terms of his value. So I think... You can say, I'm just going to fade all 76ers point guards, but you have to look and see what that means for the rest of the team as well if we're just putting in random guys on a nightly basis. All right, let's move on. Next three guys on our list are all Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo sporting a little bit of a high-top fade, which I like a lot. No, I don't think so. Here's what I think about Giannis. It's not a high-top fade, I guess. It's just more of a fade. Well, I basically think that he just skipped a haircut appointment, and that's pretty much what we have here. No, no, no. You think I mean, this is intentional, or he just yeah, kind of let it grow out, and that's what happened? Well, look at the sides. I mean, that's, that's, this is clearly intentional. That's true. So, like, maybe he got halfway done with a haircut, and it just was time think, to go. I've always said that there. once you get into year two or three in the league, you start cutting your hair like an NBA player. And we've seen this from a ton of guys. Um, you know, when have you said this before? Well, maybe not to you. I have said this before. Trust me. I'm on the record as saying that players get <laughs> players get to a certain point and realize, hey, I'm in the NBA. I'm going to get a cool haircut. Like guys like guys like Spencer Hawes, who never cared about their hair. He was always a buzz cut guy in college. Comes to the NBA, starts trying things out. JJ Redick, a guy who was always just kind of regular cut. Uh, you know, he started trying things out. He looks got the, like the the actor haircut now. Um, DeAndre Jordan just had just had cornrows recently. I don't know if you caught that. He said it was only a one night thing. I think it was for Saturday or Sunday's game, whenever the Clippers played. He had cornrows and a headband. 
uh, which looked, well, when which you looked have, excellent. Yeah, when you have money to do that, right. I think that's the thing. Well, that's the thing. That's, well, a lot of these guys are younger players. You know, I think Giannis has reached the point in his career where he's, he's just not going to do the standard uh, you know, high and tight cut. He's going he's gonna to shave the sides a little bit. He's going to make it look a little bit better. Uh, the other two guys, the other two bucks on our list, Michael Carter-Williams, he's growing this thing out and, and starting to look a little bit more like Drake than ever, I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is some seriously curly hair. This is probably the curliest hair in the league right now. I think maybe Kevin Love will have to take a look. We're gonna, I think we're going to end up on Kevin Love. <clears throat> Excuse me. Kevin Love and Michael Carter-Williams are just kind of battling for the, the biggest and curliest hair. Um, excited to see how this one comes down. I hope, I hope it's a strong finish to the wire. Um, obviously, Kevin Love's going to extend the season and probably have be able to be able to show off that mop top in the postseason, maybe even the finals. So Carter Williams really needs to get the jump start going. I think he did a good job of that in the off season. Did you ever watch Gossip Girl? No. Why would you ask me that question and people, for, on a live like podcast? People watch Gossip Girl. I've watched Gossip Girl. I know a lot of people. I think you're implying that it's a girl show, which is wow, sexist DJ, but it's a very good show. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the the actor Penn Badgley. Nope. Uh, I'm thinking what other movies or things. He's in Easy A, if you've ever seen that. Okay. Uh, he plays seen the that. woodchuck in Easy A. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he that's what I'm saying. He looks like Kevin Love at this point. Or Kevin Love looks like him. I think uh, the photo that Hoops Hype has here doesn't really do Love's hair justice. I think he went on, I'm not sure, I don't know if it was Jimmy Fallon, one of those late-night shows over the summer, and it was out of control. And, and it was very Dan Humphrey, that's uh, Penn Badgley's character, on Gossip Girl is very Penn Badgley esque. You go. Hey, it's on Netflix. I didn't know what else to do. It's a good show. All right, um, I just I just Google search, and you're right. It it we're verging on the exact same haircut. Yeah, exactly. So you know, point. That's the point there. The point isn't that I watch Gossip Girl. The point is that he looks like uh, someone from Gossip Girl. And I'm sure that everyone listening to this podcast, that's what they'll take away from it. The Rotowire Gossip Girl podcast. Yeah, the Rotowire presented Gossip by Girl. Gossip Girl. Yeah. Um, the other guy on this list from the Milwaukee Bucks, Jabari Parker. Uh, he's kind of going full Justice Winslow as well. That kind of seems to be the trend with a lot of these haircuts is, like you said, just skipping trips to the barber. Whereas I think Giannis intentionally you know, did some work on the sides. Jabari's just letting this thing grow out, and it's basically just an extension. He just kind of added on, tacked on two inches of where his hair was last year before he got hurt. So, Nick, I want to ask you some questions. As our resident Bucks expert, Like, obviously we all cover the entire NBA, but you – um, for other for basketball, we can just say it. Obviously, um, for other facets, you cover the Bucks in depth. You've covered games. You've been to press conferences. All that good stuff. So, what's your biggest concern, or what are you gonna be really looking at this season? So, we talked about Parker has some questions whether he can hold up this year coming off that injury. Giannis taking a three pointer. Michael Carter Williams hasn't really looked that good in preseason. You, as someone who covers the Bucks, what are you most concerned about or most intrigued about this season on the whole? You mentioned the preseason. This team has been bad, 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 bad in the preseason. Uh, the, the opener uh, a few weeks ago against Chicago, the starting unit played pretty well together in limited minutes. But ever since then, uh, it hasn't been a great showing. And it is only preseason, and it, it really doesn't matter at this point. But I'm a little bit concerned about the fit. You know, with Greg Monroe coming in, they, it's been a while since Milwaukee's had a true post threat. You know, four or five years basically since Bogut was there, and, and I think Greg Monroe is an even better post player than Andrew Bogut probably ever was. Um, you know, how are they going to integrate him? How are they going to, how are they going to react with him playing the five a lot of the time and not being a very good defender? And, you know, I think 
I'm a little bit less concerned about that than a lot of people seem to be. You know, Monroe has this reputation as being a bad defender. I don't think he's a bad defender. I think he's an average defender, and I don't think he's much of a drop-off. He might even be an improvement over Zaza Pachulia, who they you know helped them do a very solid defensive rating for most of last season. They still have John Henson there, so if you know for some reason the Monroe situation implodes defensively, they can find a way you know to mix Henson in there and kind of clean that up. The bigger concern, like you mentioned briefly, is the shooting. Um, you know, if you're looking at lineups they ran out last year, so hypothetically, Greg Monroe's on the floor with Giannis, uh, Chris Middleton, Jared Bayless, and Michael Carter Williams. How many of those guys are good three point shooters? Like one and a half. Chris Middleton, obviously, very good three point shooter, and then Jared Bayless, who shot terribly last season, but has a track record of being an okay three point shooter. If Michael Carter Williams can't shoot, and Giannis can't shoot, and we know Greg Monroe can't shoot and isn't going to shoot, this team's spacing is going to be messed up. That was an issue for a lot of last season. Is just not being able to get good shots because, you know, they're swinging the ball around the perimeter. They're getting open looks, but Giannis is passing up open three-pointers. Michael Carter-Williams is passing up open three-pointers. And when it gets late in the shot clock, this team just had trouble manufacturing good looks. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you for sure. You wonder Giannis incorporating that three-pointer into his game might be more of a necessity than people realize. Maybe not... Maybe not, you know, people are thinking he's just trying to round out his game, but maybe they actually legitimately need him to be a threat from beyond the arc. So, uh, yeah, that's a good rundown of the Bucks, Nick. I, I mean, I was surprised you didn't say that you have three young guys um, dealing with a hairdo crisis. I mean, that I think is going to be the most poignant thing I'm going to be looking at at the Bucks. A lot of young players trying out new hairdos. Um, that's what I'm most concerned about for sure. But yours was good, too. I'm a little bit concerned about Jabari Parker as well. Um, again, I, I also think I'm less panicked than a lot of people are on Jabari Parker. Um, they were, you know, reports came out late last night that Parker's not going to be ready for the start of the season. He's going to be coming back sometime in November, they hope. But what that doesn't mean is he suffered a setback. You know, I think that was kind of a lot of people right away were like, oh, what happened? Why is he not going to be ready? This guy had surgery in January for a torn ACL, you know, a, an injury that the assumed timetable is like at minimum 10 months and you know, the fact that he's been practicing since the start of October, I think maybe provided a little bit of false hope. Um, and I'm fine with the Bucks being cautious. You know, if you want to hold him out for five or ten games, be my guest, please. If you want to hold him out a full calendar year, it's not worth rushing him back. This is a team that played better without Jabari Parker last season. Uh, he's essentially returning as a rookie. I don't think he's going to be a guy uh, who has a breakout year. You know, I mentioned he was one of the top three vote-getters and most likely candidates to have a breakout year in that GM poll. I just don't see that being the case. I think maybe next season is you know if he if he's able to stay healthy this year build on what he was able to do for part of last year uh really get comfortable I think next season could be the breakout year but he's kind of a luxury for this team at this point just to kind of have back in the fold after they were so good uh for most of last season without him so just another asset and I don't I don't think him not playing on opening night is the is the end of the world but the question is what do they do at the four without him you know Chris Copeland is there now Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, I think he'll probably end up seeing most of the minutes there. But if they want to stretch the floor and Giannis doesn't improve drastically as a three-point shooter, which I think there'll be some improvement, but I don't think it's going to be drastic to the point where he'll be a guy that you really have to worry about on the perimeter. I think we'll see a lot of Copeland out there in certain lineups, and, and it could just vary on, on certain nights. So I don't know if I really trust Chris Copeland as a fantasy guy. Uh, and the third man in this rotation, Johnny O'Brien, I, I certainly do not trust. <laughs> You've made that known for sure. So the only thing I'll add on, just to tack on with Parker's injury, we're exactly 10 months and five days from when he suffered that injury. So like you said, if it's a 10-month recovery time, 
me as a fan, me as a fantasy player, me as someone who likes the Bucks a little bit. Nick, we're going to go watch the, the Bucks play the Timberwolves right in our backyard at the Kohl Center. I do like the Bucks. I live in Wisconsin. I would be okay with him taking the first month of the season off. Let's just get him right. If you're looking at this guy, I mean, you pretty much say he's he's part of your future. Or he's a very nice piece. You're saying he's a luxury. So I think he is a luxury. So even though you have the power forward question marks or the backup power forward question marks, I'm okay with resting him the entire first month. What do you think about that? Uh, full disclosure, I'm not a doctor. I've said this multiple times on the podcast. Okay. I just don't want to cause any confusion. I am not a doctor, um, but I'm fine with it. Like I said, I don't. I don't think that's an issue. I don't think. I don't think rushing Jabari Parker back is on the Bucks list of priorities, and I don't think it should be. And I, I don't really think that there's really much of a story there at all, to be honest. Let's move on. We'll talk about. We'll have to skip around a little bit. Quite a few guys left on this list. We're definitely not going to get through all of them. There's. We like, need to get to just the best ones. I'm fair. Just with, the best. Fine with that. Um, well, we'll start with Gallinari. Danilo Gallinari, he's on this list. I don't know what's going on here. This is not a great look. A lot of gel going on <laughs> here. Uh, and we're getting a side profile view in the photo provided by our friends at Hoops Hype. Shaved on side, or I should say buzzed on the side. Pretty short, you know, showing a little skin there. Uh, but a gelled kind of flattened out mohawk on the top. Not a great look. Can we agree on that? Yep, I'm fine with that. Already 27 years old. I was doing my research, you know, putting a lot of hours in he's 27 years old I mean he's getting to the point where this is kind of the 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 sweet spot for NBA careers right you'd say maybe 27 to 30 ish is is a good sweet spot and so it'll be interesting if he can stay healthy for that sweet spot uh over the next three years kind of a maybe a disappointing career when we look back on it for sure yeah, I, I think that considering he was picked sixth overall, you know, back in 08, I think that maybe it could be a little bit of a disappointment. He's been a very good player when healthy. It's right, just, yeah, and last, at the end of last year, too, he was on fire. Right, exactly. He was on fire for a lot of last year. He's a guy who's traditionally played very well when he's not injured, but he just always seems to be injured. I think with the, the shakeup in Denver this season, I, I, a lot of people see him as a breakout candidate. I definitely agree with that. Somebody's going to have to score points for this team. No Ty Lawson running the show anymore. Obviously, Emmanuel Moutier is there. I think he'll see a lot of usage. But you know, you look at the shooting guard position. You got a couple. You got a young guy in Gary Harris, a young guy in Will Barton, and then a veteran in Randy Foy. Those guys, you know, none of those guys jump off the page as as volume scorers to me. And I think I think Gallinari probably leads the team in scoring this season. I think he could. You know, a guy who only averaged twelve and a half points a game last year, and again, a lot of that was due to the injury limitations. I think he gets back up. Uh, closer to where he was in 2012-13. Of course, he missed the entire 13-14 season. But back in 2012-13, 16 points a game. Uh, was giving you a little over five rebounds, two and a half assists. Uh, shooting only 42% from the field. That's a little bit lower than you'd like, but still 37% from three. I think he gets much closer to those numbers. And, you and that's know, what it, we have him projected for, too. Right. And with the way this team is structured, I think they kind of got rid of some of the guys, uh, you know, Cough, Lawson, Cough, that – that really maybe made this team a little bit, uh, I don't know what the right word is, contemptuous in the locker room. You know, I think That's a great be, word. I think they're going to be a little bit more cohesive. I, I don't think they'll necessarily be a good team, but I think they'll be a lot more fun and they won't be, you know, they won't be revolting against any coaches this season. I, I think Gallinari kind of leads the way and has a redemptive season. Yeah, they're a young, sexy team. So if some of these pieces work out like Moutier, maybe even like Gary Harris, um, or Joffrey, for sure. You, I mean, it could be a really fun team to watch once they start clicking, if that is they start clicking. Right. All right, let's look down on the list. A couple more guys I want to talk about. I don't really want to talk much about Alan Crabb uh, from a basketball perspective, but just a weird, weird look. I don't, 
Do you know how could you, how would you describe this? Well, I mean, let's just put it frank. There, he has some facial features that make his you know his hairdo now really stand out. And so, I mean, just check out Hoops Hype and see what we're talking about from a basketball percent or perspective. I there's not really much to say. Right, he's a very sharp features i guess kind of very like symmetrical lines on this face and, and it's reflected in his facial hair and his uh you know the hair on the top of his head very a nice little arc coming across the forehead and, and mm-hmm. that goatee is at a and, perfect right angle and the lighting too makes it right. right it's the side of his head looks a little awkward based on this lighting um but just check it out for yourself i mean we're, we're doing probably a terrible job of describing this overall um, let's look down on the list who else we want to touch on quickly. Just some atrocious looks. Sasha Vujicic, good to see him back in the league. Oh, what about Derek Rose? Uh, this is something we haven't seen. A guy who's always kept the kept the hair pretty short. He, too, is going with the little bit shorter on the sides, but kind of growing her straight up uh, on the top. I like this look from Derek Rose. Yeah, it looks good. I mean, this is what all the guys are doing. Like, it's it's pretty common theme from what we've seen, even from these pictures. And maybe there's a few guys that uh, went unnoticed here by Hoops Hype. Looks good to me. Um, obviously, nobody's really going to care about his hair because he's one of the most talked-about NBA players. We'll see if he can stay healthy, if he's incredibly motivated to remain on the court. That also is a big factor in his fantasy value. I won't be touching him. I know Shannon said last week on the Friday podcast, if you listen to that, he's a pretty tempting option because you're going to assume that most people by now, even the fair-weather fantasy players, know to fade him somewhat so he could be an enticing option when you're looking around maybe the 80th to 90th pick of whatever draft you might be in right and he's he's definitely a buy low candidate at this point which is kind of crazy considering the profile he carries but you know so many things have happened injury wise with him uh to kind of mitigate that but weird offseason for Derrick Rose very weird offseason he had the the rape allegations which you know, luckily have seemed to have blown over. Um, not really sure what's going to go on with that. It's not really our place to comment, but you know that um, the Jimmy Butler issue with those two kind of feuding in the backcourt. Derrick Rose kind of unprompted bringing up his future contract situation. That was a really weird. That one. was weird, right? It's and, just a weird thing to say in public. I mean, he's what is he two years away? Yeah. And they asked him a question. He said, "What's on my mind right now is how much money all these guys are getting in free agency," and it's like. Wait, what, wait! You're bringing that up? Like we're the media? We usually bring out bonker things like well, and that. And it'd be one thing if he was going into a contract year, but he's not. And it, not even yeah. It, and he's kind of you know, if you look relative to the money they're paying him, he's vastly underperformed. It was just a very odd thing to bring up at a very odd time. And I mean, I think back to when he got his like first big contract, and he was very emotional with his mom. And he said, "You know what, mom? We've made it." And so obviously, he's a very family guy, and he is he is thinking about those numbers. It's just something you don't really say aloud. And, I mean, you can talk about it in your contract year, too. I mean, it, it's, it makes more sense to do it then. Hopefully what it means by him saying that is that he's going to be really motivated to put up money and, or put up, uh, put up numbers over the next two seasons to get a big contract. Maybe that's what he was going for, and we've kind of all overlooked that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was definitely – no, the Chicago media definitely took it and ran with it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, and a, rightly so, though. Rightly very, so. Very, very scathing article – in the Chicago Tribune that came out shortly after that, basically saying, you know, your focus shouldn't be on this. This town is, I think they, at, at the end of the article, they basically said, this, you know, this isn't Derrick Rose's town or Jimmy Butler's town. This is LeBron James's town, just with the way that, that the way, you know, they just can't get past LeBron. And, you know, any team in the East can pretty much say that 
Um, but, yeah, very odd situation with Derrick Rose. I think the Bulls' success this season is ultimately going to hinge on how well he plays. This could be a team that could definitely finish in the top two uh, in the Eastern Conference. I think they're projected, to, you know, usually in that two to four range. Joe Kim Noah is going to be better than he was last season, he, just by virtue of being healthier. He really can't be any less healthy than he was uh, playing through all those ailments, especially towards the end of the year. They're going to miss Mike Dunleavy, that's for sure. This is a guy that, you know, they, I think they initially gave him a 12 to 14 week timetable. He doesn't sound too optimistic about that. He kind of just said, yeah, I hope I play at some point this season. Luckily, they're pretty deep on the wing. Tony Snell, Nikola Mirotic, uh, obviously Jimmy Butler is there, and then Doug McDermott, who kind of is the, the heir apparent to, to Mike Dunleavy in a lot of ways. Pau Gasol, I think, takes a little bit of a step back. He, he has was, to. He was insane last season. He started the All-Star game. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Uh, this team is deep. This team, the, I think the biggest question other than Rose is how they adjust you know, not playing for Tibbs anymore. Everybody just assumes that everybody's going to be relieved and, you know, they're not playing big minutes anymore. But, I mean, Tibbs was a really good coach. And I, I think there really hasn't been quite as much talk of, you know, this this team switching over to Fred Hoiberg and how that's going to affect the way they play. But, you know, with the kind of talent on this roster and the way that they're built, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a huge drop-off or a huge gain one way or the other. Right. So winning is fun. So Tibbs might be a tough coach, but if you're winning under Tibbs, you're going to be having fun. All these guys are professional athletes. They want to win. They're trained to win. It is literally their job to win. So you wonder if they falter under Hoiberg when it can blow up even bigger than it ever was under Tibbs where you have questions. I mean, it's just the same scenario with any other first-year coach. We can just interchange we could say Donovan with Oklahoma City you never know that thing could blow up too so yeah I think that's the biggest question mark to me is the new coaching change obviously they have the pieces they can get it done we'll see how they're coached all right Jared Sullinger he pops up on this hoops hype list he's going with the I guess we can call it the Odell Beckham in a lot of ways it's not quite it's not quite to that extreme level but you know a little bit of the faux hawk with the the blondish his is almost kind of a reddish kind of a fox colored uh, uh, streak going across the top, a little bit of a skunk look there, uh, kind of red panda, I guess is the best way I could describe it. And you know, Jared Sollinger does resemble a red panda body style-wise in many ways. This is a guy that I think could really, really fall off this season. I think he's getting very close to wearing out his welcome in Boston. Um, he's dealt with weight issues. He's dealt with kind of commitment issues, it sounds like, and just a guy that has a ton of talent. But I've always thought he was, you know, coming out of Ohio State, he was such a good player at the college level. He always just seemed like one of those guys who was maybe built to really dominate in college, but he's just kind of a tweener at the NBA level. He's a little bit undersized. Um, you know, from a height perspective, that is a guy who doesn't have a ton of athleticism. He just he doesn't seem to have a place. And then they go out and add David Lee, and they add Amir Johnson this offseason. Brad, Brad Stevens said last week that they only want to play four front court guys on most nights, and I think that's Tyler Zeller, Kelly Olynyk, David Lee, and Amir Johnson, I think Jared Sollinger is going to be kind of find himself on the outside looking in most nights. Right. So Stevens definitely said that, right? That was made publicly known. I don't know how much I'm going to look into that, right? So, excuse me. So I I think that... You're going, you're going for the single podcast cough record, I think. Set, mostly, most likely set by me at some point. Yeah, I'm just trying to hold it together. <laughs> I'm doing it for, for the people right now. For the people. Are you, are you sick? Yeah, I've been sick for a while. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, just uh, scoot back a little bit. (laughs) Um, Anyways, back to Jared Selinger. You know what, Nick? A couple years ago when I made my very first appearance on this podcast, I think the first thing I really ever said, well, it was my Twitter handle, and the second thing, I made a joke about Jared Selinger. 
So I might as well just kind of do a well. Like, I like where your head was at. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I was I was on top of it. I was early to the game, but it's good to see that he's really focused on his hair and not the rest of his body coming into this new season. So there's my zinger. Uh, good to bring it Got all him. around here on this this specific podcast. But back to the Brad Stevens four rotation thing. Yeah, that's concerning. Of course, it's concerning. Sellinger does seem to guy seem to be the guy, uh, the odd man out there. But I think as the season goes along, you get an injury, Selinger goes in there, maybe performs well. You know he can get a double-double. He's done that so far in his career. You never know what's going to happen. I'm not going to completely fade Jared Selinger for the rest of the season, um, even though Stevens was pretty, uh, you know, pretty forthright about where Selinger stands on the rotation this year. I just don't think he brings it up to the table defensively to to, That's appease, a great point. to appease Brad Stevens. Um, not that Kelly Olynyk really does either, uh, but you know he's a little bit more diverse offensively. Jared Sullinger's put up good numbers, counting stats wise. You know, thirteen points, uh, almost eight rebounds, two and a half assists, point uh, seven blocks in twenty seven minutes last season. But injuries got to him. That back has really been giving him trouble for a while now, and. I don't know. I just, I just think he, the upside could maybe be there if he goes somewhere else. I think a change of scenery could be in his future. I, I'd like to see another team maybe take a chance on him, uh, but I, I just don't see it this season in Boston. So one thing is if he's playing enough minutes, you use him in fantasy because, like you said, Nick, he does get counting stats, rebounds, points. He does it. Defense is, is, is shaky for sure. But if he's playing enough minutes, he's a guy you have to consider in fantasy purposes, even though it's fun to make fun of him all offseason long, lingering into the preseason, as I'm sure we'll continue to do. All right, we're coming up on just about an hour in this podcast. We'll only talk about two more guys. One of them is just, I mean, this is obvious, uh, George Hill slash Cisco. Cisco, baby. I love, love, love this look. I I think this is... You love this look? I love it. I, I don't know why more guys don't do this. I think it looks great. Well, this picture in particular that Hoops has, like, he's channeling his inner Cisco. Look at those eyes. Right, right. Yeah, I, mean, I have looked at, um, you know, shout, shout out to former uh, Rotowire NBA guy Kyle McCune. He was always a big proponent of this. But, uh, you know, the best-looking guys in the NBA... Um, if you look, I think there's like a Reddit thread on this that I read one time and George Hill popped up more than anyone else. I think it was him and Dwayne Wade were like the consensus best looking guys. And I don't know, I'm not really, I guess, in a position to judge that, but, uh, you know, other people, uh, who did really are are big fans of George Hill. I can see it, you know, the, the bone structure there, uh, on the cheeks is excellent. Like you mentioned the eyes. Uh, I always thought he kind of looks like a, like a Doberman a little bit, the dog. Huh. And that, that's a compliment. Dobermans are great dogs. There you go. Elite dogs. Elite dogs. Um, like top three dogs. Right. But, I mean, the blonde hair is obviously what people are going to be talking about. He, he did this over the summer. It seemed like it was just going to be a, a fun summer look. But it sounds like he's going to keep it at this point. And, you know, there is no more fun summer look than the dyeing your hair, bleaching it blonde. Uh, one thing I am excited to use is, I, I don't know, are you, an, are you an iPhone guy? Nope. Android. Do you get emojis on Android? Yeah, we are. You, we, I don't what, have an Android. What do you think know. is going on on this side of the cell phone spectrum? I you think we're like universe. in the dark ages. In a lot of ways, yes. Do you think that our Android just sends smoke signals up in the air? Do they? Does it? Yeah, is it gas powered? Is it like pull start on that thing or what? No, I, no, I don't know. I thought I thought that was an Apple thing. I guess my bad. But uh, you thought emojis were just an Apple thing? Did they not used to be like a year ago? I'm pretty sure they were. I don't know. I'm I haven't not an used Apple an guy. Android phone in since like freshman year of college, man. I don't know. Right. But I am excited to use their. <clears throat> excuse me. There's an emoji, you know, because recently in the in the the recent emoji update a couple months back, you can now change like skin tones. Can you? And, now? I have yeah, no idea. You can. And uh, there's now one that looks. A lot like George Hill, so I'm very excited to unleash that on Twitter 
Oh, um, wow. Look at those piercing eyes, too. Right, everything. It's got the whole package. It's the real deal. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, probably a lot of, a lot of run on Twitter for that this season. Um, as far as the Indiana Pacers go from a basketball standpoint, I think George Hill's you know, in, in line to get a ton of minutes again at point guard this season. He was hurt to begin last year, and it took him a while to get integrated. This is a team that's going to be in the hunt for that 7, 8, 9 seed, somewhere in that, in that range I think most people think. Give me my phone back. No, I just I was, I was trying to find a, a perfect emoji for Jared Selinger, and it didn't really work out. But I did end up on the food emoji page. <laughs> See, there's, uh, maybe there's like an expanded package with Apple. Do you have all those? Uh, not those specific ones. They're a little bit different. We're so off topic right now. Okay. But then again, this is a topic about right. hair. Or I, I don't think we've gotten hair. more off topic. I think this is pretty low on the scale of, of things That's that we've true. talked about. Um, do you, I mean, how do you feel about this Indiana Pacers team? They're, they're a team that I don't like. Uh, personnel-wise, you have your best player playing a position that he openly doesn't want to play. Uh, you have your director of basketball operations saying, too bad, that's where you're going to play. And I don't think that's usually a great recipe for success. Uh, Monte Ellis is a very interesting addition. I think, uh, I don't know if I said this uh, on the podcast with you or James, Like if there's, one, if there's one guy, yeah, I've said this over and over, if there's one guy that you would think Larry Bird would just have like a, we're not signing this guy policy against, it would be Monte Ellis. But that's a situation there. <clears throat> excuse me, that's a situation that they're in this offseason with so many moving pieces, but they'll be a very interesting team. I think they could be very boom or bust, and it's going to depend a lot on how good Paul George can be and whether or not he can return to, you know, two seasons ago, Paul George, as opposed to the guy who was pretty bad after you know, maybe coming back a little too early from that, that gruesome leg injury. And even if he does come back and physically he's completely fine, let's just say he's exactly where he left off, right? I think he's well, going to be close. And let's just say that he is. Now he's playing in a new position where maybe he wouldn't be fine to begin with, right? So, so who knows? There's a, there's a lot of question marks. Maybe it'll be in just an absolutely genius move. Maybe we're putting too much. You don't think you're shaking your head? I don't head. think it'll be a genius move because I don't think they want to make this move. It wasn't like this. Is, uh, this wasn't like a strategy move. It was like a necessity. hey, we don't want to start Lavoy Allen move. Like that, it was a necessity <laughs> move. You know, I, I don't my, think. I don't think this is something like putting Paul Pierce at the four, you know, like what Randy Whitman was credited for in the playoffs. I don't think it's something like this where they're like, oh, I think this could really work. I think it was just, we have no other options, so you have to do this. And, yeah, I think we talked about this on one of the previous podcasts. It's not going to hurt him much offensively. I don't think, if anything, it might create more mismatches. Um, but defensively, he could, get, he could get beat up a little bit, and I worry about maybe getting into foul trouble, things like that. So we're going to need more of a sample size to see how it works out. But he's looked very, very good in the preseason, at least offensively, in the way he's been able to move. So that's not much of a worry to me. All right, let's finish out uh, with one final guy, and we can maybe lump in a couple guys. We'll, we'll just basically make a dreadlock category. Okay. Uh, that, those seem to be making a little bit of a comeback. Cartier Martin, arguably the best first name in the NBA at this time. Uh, he's got some dreadlocks. They appear to be a little bit amber-colored, kind of taken after Jared Sollinger, going a little bit with a red panda color look. I like it. I like it a lot. Yep. CDR, Chris Douglas Roberts. He's got kind of a Chief Keith look going, which well, I love. I, I'm love a Chief Keith. Yeah, I'm a little afraid for him, just at least in this picture. He might not be able to see when he's on the court, so that's something to watch out for. Right. His vision, don't think it's going to be 2020 this no, year. No, I think I, that could impact his, his ability to rack up assists mm-hmm. uh, for your fantasy team. So. You look for a steep decline in assists if uh, if Chris Douglas Roberts is unable to see the floor, like literally can't see the floor. That'd be a major issue. Damari Carroll, he's always had the long dreadlocks. He's kind of going for like a future look now, uh, dying the tips of those blonde. Love that look a ton. And, and Derek Williams doing the same thing, but his is a little more Wiz Khalifa at this point. Yes. Uh, whereas you know Damari Carroll's is down to the shoulder length. 
Uh, Derek Williams just kind of reaching around the eyebrows, just kind of covering the ears. Uh, another very strong look. Um, let's talk quickly about Derek Williams, a guy who's now you know bouncing around the league. Uh, not really surprising. Uh, I don't want to say I was a a Derek Williams truther necessarily, but I remember what, you know that draft back in 2011 I, when they when Minnesota took him second. I was like, this guy's a tweener. I don't think he you know I don't think he's going to be able to carry over what he did at Arizona. And you know, sure enough, he's he's played for two teams already uh, and hasn't played well for either of them. Now he starts with his third team this season in New York. The Knicks are a very interesting team. I think they got quite a bit better, which is saying maybe not so much because of how bad they were last season and some of the names that were seeing big minutes on that team. But uh, you know, Aaron Aflalo is a massive upgrade at shooting guard. Getting Carmelo Anthony back healthy is a massive upgrade over who was playing there at the end of last season. And you know, I think even Kristaps Porzingis is a nice upgrade at power forward. I don't know if he ultimately ends up seeing a ton of minutes, but you know, he's just a nice high upside guy to have, a guy that, that brings something to the table that most teams just don't just don't have in this league. And, you know, I think that makes them a lot more intriguing, uh, you know, just as a, from a fan perspective, Robin Lopez, another big upgrade at center. So they're going to be quite a bit better, I think. And if Carmelo Anthony can be vintage Carmelo Anthony, this team might be able to surprise some people. But once you get beyond that starting five is where the trouble starts to surface. You get your Langston Galloways, your Sasa Vujicic's, um, you know, your Lance Thomas's, and then that's kind of where Derek Williams falls. This is a guy who for Sacramento last season played in 74 games uh, he did show a little bit of promise. I mean, he shot his best percentage from the field, got over 30% from three, which by his standards is, is a bit of an accomplishment, uh, but only averaged 8.3 points per game, 2.7 rebounds. I mean, is there any universe in which you're touching him unless you're in a very, very deep league? No, I'm not touching him at all because you have Porzingis, who's probably going to start at power forward. Kylo Quinn is a guy I actually like a lot. He played some minutes, some decent minutes down there in Orlando. He was backing up... Um, uh, oh, I forget. Man, I forget. Vucevic, Deadman. Yeah, I think I think he was the main. He he ended the season as the main backup behind Vucevic. So Vucevic, you know, every now and then he'll he'll sit out a few games in a row, and so he got some time. And I I really liked what Okin was doing in a fantasy perspective, and so in terms of real basketball as well, I think that he's going to fit in nicely behind Porzingis, and then maybe you have a timeshare between Williams and O'Quinn. Of course, if the Porzingis experiment goes terribly awry then O'Quinn and Williams will both directly benefit from that for sure. All right, let's wrap this up. A lot of excellent hair breakdown by you, DJ. We didn't even talk about Jeremy Lin, Jimmy Neutron. Know, that know, one is pretty insane as well. I know, and that's it's, and that just speaks to the amount of hair turnover that there has been this mm-hmm. offseason. We didn't even touch on Jeremy Lin, but you know, we're coming up on 70 minutes here. I think we're going to have to cut this one uh, a little bit short. Maybe we'll, have, maybe we'll have a part two sometime. We'll let we the people decide. If, if you liked it, let us know. If you hated it, we'll never talk about yeah, it ever again. If you again. hated it, don't let us know. Uh, we don't, you know, just say, just, just keep your mouth shut. You know, if you liked it, let us know. Give us all, <laughs> give us all the positive feedback. Uh, but if you have any negative feedback, uh, direct that to uh, someone else, not us. So maybe I'm thinking around the All-Star break, we can have a mid-season hair update. And, uh, you, know, we, you know, some of these guys are sure to change their looks and there might be some new guys who you know, kind of come off the radar and and we'll see where they are at. So, you know, this is a fun podcast. Hopefully they got some sort of uh, some sort of actual basketball analysis out of it. I think I think we did a, a decent job, maybe a 70 30 uh, hair to basketball breakdown ratio. I think that's solid considering going in. Uh, we really went kind of flew by the seat of our pants here. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll fix it up and go 50 50 just uh We'll wait on the reaction. Maybe maybe we we'll maybe we'll move into an all hair podcast. We never know. We really never do know. 
Um, just one quick word from DraftKings before we wrap up. Fantasy football is a whole lot more interesting this season. In week six, DraftKings will be hosting another Millionaire Maker event. $1.2 million goes to first place. Excuse me, that's week seven. DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event. Again, $1.2 million going to first place. You go to DraftKings.com now, enter the promo code ROTOHOOPS. That'll let you play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. Again, that promo code is ROTOHOOPS for a free entry now with your first deposit on DraftKings.com. DraftKings, this is not fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Oh, wow. You're actually wearing your hair down tonight. Yeah, because I finally decided that I love my hair. I figured out the solution for my morning frizz, midday poof, and even next day bedhead. It's Frizz E Secret Weapon Touch-Up Cream by John Frieda. Well, you and your hair look flawless. Flawless and touchable. Feel. Oh. See? It's soft. Smooth ends. No flyaways. Shiny. Well, I clearly need to get some because your hair looks amazing. Frizz E Secret Weapon. Only from John Frieda. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.